All right, let's get into the word. So we've been talking about faith, okay? Faith and the importance of faith. In the last four months, the Lord really stirred my heart up about faith, you know? I was in a situation where I was like, okay, I need my faith to actually be working like to its fullest, <laughs> you know? And I've told you how many times we live our lives without using our faith because we live in such a great country and the economy is good and, and you're you know, in a good city and a good family, you have a good job. Like, so you're not using your faith for much or anything, you know? And as a matter of fact, sometimes people only use their faith when they're in a really tough place, you know, and, and, and an emergency need. But the Bible says the righteous live by faith and without faith we can't please God. And so this ought to tell us that we should always be in faith for something. Because if you're not in faith for something, then you're likely not doing anything worth God's help. Right? And he's called us all to do amazing things and amazing works and to be believing for things. And it's not living by faith is not like wondering where your next meal is going to come from or if you're going to be able to make rent. No, like, yes, we could be in situations like that sometimes in life, but that's not living by faith. Living by faith doesn't mean not having a job. Living by faith means like me and God are constantly partnering and I'm standing on his word in agreement to see things that are invisible and impossible come to pass. And I hope you got that. If not, watch it again because I can't say it again. And so, and so we started uh, teaching uh, uh, the last three weeks with, without counting Ashtoreth. We taught on uh, faith for healing, right? So uh, we've done... Two or three of those, and today's the last one on Faith for Healing. It's all under the same faith series, okay? Next week, we're going to start Faith for Prosperity. Prosperity and finances and, and everything that is prosperity, because prosperity is not just money, you know? And like um, Ashley touched on that last week, but um, today we're going to talk about one more thing regarding Faith for Healing. I've shared with you many, many principles that I actively practice in the last four months to to see my own healing, because like I told you, I've seen miracles happen instantly, but that was not my case. However, God still he started healing, like God healed me the minute that happened, right? But I started seeing my healing happen from day one, you know, slowly progressing every day, every day, every day. And, you, you know, people might say, well, that's normal. That's, that's how it's, it happens to anybody and everybody would, would experience the same thing. Let me tell you, that's not true. That is not true. And yes, the body was made uh, to heal itself, but it's because God created the body that way. Amen. So regardless of how you look at it, God still gets the glory for healing because it's his heart and it's his will that everyone will be healed. You're like, uh-oh, I have a problem with that statement because I've seen the opposite. I've seen people pass away and not get better. And let me tell you, we don't make a judgment based on an experience that didn't rise up to the level of the Word of God. But instead, we stand on God's Word without questioning it because He doesn't lie. He doesn't take His Word back, right? And He's faithful to His Word. And so all we got to think, we, we don't want to fall into pride and arrogance. All we, all we need to realize is like, there must be something I don't know that I will know in heaven, Right? of why this didn't happen, but it surely isn't God's word, and it surely isn't, you know, God punishing me or God not wanting to heal me. That's never, ever the case, okay? And it's not either the case of you to condemn yourself and say like, oh, yeah, I guess I don't have faith, you know, and I am just so weak, and I, that's not it either, you know? Sometimes it's just, you have faith, and you don't see exactly how you want when you want, 
And, uh, and it's not that God didn't want to. And so that's why I said that the main thing that we do need always is peace. And he will always give us peace. And that's why the Bible talks about a peace that surpasses, goes beyond, passes understanding. That means that there is a situation where there's no understanding in your human logical mind, but yet he always chooses to give you peace when you ask for it. So that you can be at peace in your heart, in your mind, and not have resentment towards God and go into a dark place that would harm you even more. Are you with me? Okay. And so we talked about a lot of things. We talked about our reaction, you know, to what happens. We talked about vulnerability. We talked about the myth of receiving prayer and how, you know, hey, I don't stop getting, I, I continue to receive prayer. Every time I get prayer, I know it's like a spiritual bomb going off, like, you know, helping me in something. And I don't know if it's the next prayer that I might do something drastic or not, but regardless, there's no shame in getting prayer for the same thing over and over and over. As long as you don't do it as works, as like, all right, here we go, maybe if I get 300 prayers, then I'll wait. No, as long as your heart is putting faith behind it, right, and saying like, okay, thank you, I know that as you're praying for me, something's happening. Something good is happening. I'm receiving something. So put faith behind what the prayers that you receive. You know, um, I remember people tell me, I'm praying for you. And I, wanted, I wouldn't just be like, oh, great, thanks. Like, I would actually visualize that and say, thank you, God. That, that prayer right now is doing something to me. Just like in the Word. When Jesus, you know, sent the Word, he wasn't even there in person. He just sent it. Something happened in another place. So like every time I would visualize and think and, and, and put faith behind their prayers and say, yes, I receive that prayer. I receive that blessing. I receive healing to my body. So it's being intentional, okay? Uh, we talked about hearing the word. You know, hearing the word and healing uh, awakens faith for that. We talked about speaking the word. Say speaking the word is action to our faith, right? Uh, we talked about faith and patience. That's how we inherit the promises of God. And sometimes we don't like the patience part, but it's part of it part of it right patience praying in tongues we talk about how praying in tongues makes us go nuclear yeah. and praying in the spirit will uh, make all those air pockets of unbelief you know about whatever subject it is just like go to the top and, and go away so that you have solid pure right uh, i was gonna say um like the uh the the what's the nuclear thing again Uranium, yeah, like, you know, like 96% pure uranium, you know, and that's your faith. You want your faith to be 100% pure, and how do you get that? How do you get those unbelief, places of unbelief out of it? It's praying in the Spirit. You know, that's how you build yourself up in your most holy faith, your most pure faith, your most, all right, you got it? Okay, and then um, we talked about praise and worship, how powerful it is to be in the presence of God, coming, coming to church, being in the corporate anointing. Uh, reading Psalms to find your voice. Uh, many, many, I heard many people had never heard about that. You know, it's, it's powerful. You know, when you feel frustrated, when you feel in a dark place, when you feel depressed or, or someone like start reading Psalms until you find your voice. And I'm, and you're like, how, when do I stop? You will know when you've gotten there. You'll know when you got there. Um, resolving disappointments. I'm going to touch on Sozo a little bit today. Um, healing my heart. I talked talked about how I had inner healing in my soul that helped my physical healing progress really fast, okay? And then um, 
last uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We said that you don't die until your spirit leaves your body. Right? That's when we die. When our spirit leaves our body, that's when our body dies. Okay? Uh, so what that means is that we're no longer under the, the law of sin and death, which causes deterioration and death. But now we're under the law of spirit and life, okay? The spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which means that you don't have to die because you just like malfunction till nothing functioned. You don't have to die because you were blind, deaf, and couldn't walk. And like you can die like Moses died when he was, I mean, he climbed up the mountain. He hiked up that huge mountain. And some people say, yeah, that's why he died. No, that's not why he died. Like, he was strong in his age, you know, and he climbed up the mountain, and then he died. You know how Jesus died? Jesus gave up the spirit. I mean, people could easily think, like, he bled out, you know. He died from all the, uh, from all the wounds and from hanging, and, and asphyxiation was the way that actually people hanging on the cross died. He didn't die of that. The Bible says he died when he gave up the spirit. So that means, so that's good news, is that the, as, the eight, as the years go by in your life, you don't have to expect things in your body to get worse. There is a promise right here that tells you you can actually go into your old age strong, healthy, right? And, and not have to die from age or from, you know, issues. Those are good news. That's the gospel. So I want to get to, I always said, I want, to, I want to get to all my 120 years, but strong, you know, not crawling over the line like, you know, like that would be sad. That's why so many people say, oh, I don't want to live that long. Why do you think that is? It's because their bodies are tired and then there's a lot of things that are wrong with it. But, but divine healing, you know, and having divine health is, is about growing old, but healthy and strong. And that's a promise that we have from the Lord. So if you're expecting that things will go wrong, you know, and next time something goes wrong in your body, you're like, oh, well, it's expected. I just had a birthday. Well, guess what? It's going to keep happening. So don't expect it. Don't invite it. Don't receive it. And if you have received some of that stuff, then you need to renew your mind and say like, nope, no more of this. My body actually is supposed to get better because right now it's not even at par. Okay. And then we talked about celebrating even the smallest victories. Like, you know, I've even showed off to you guys many times. Like, look what I can do now, like this stuff. Like, you know, like you have two shoes. Yeah, I have two shoes on, you know. And now you're on the cane. Yes, you know, why? Because every small thing, like every, every morning I see something better, right? My confession is every day. I'm better every day, stronger every day, you know. It doesn't matter how big or how small that is. You know, celebrate all the small victories and give glory to God. The Bible says that every good gift comes from him. Anything good that happens in your life or is in your life, it's a gift from God. Amen? Amen. Um, we talked about there's life and death in the power of our tongue. Okay, so this is a, a quick review of all these principles in the Bible for healing. You know, especially all the ones that I've been using in these last four months. We talked about speaking to our bodies. Your body is voice activated. Faith is voice activated. And your body listens to your voice more than any other voice. Because it's the voice that is most familiar. 
So speak to your body. Speak kindly to your body. Speak gently, you know, to your organs, you know, like, good morning, kidney. You're amazing. You work great. I bless you. You know, like, whatever it is that, that, that you know, you might need more attention in your body, you know. Just speak to it kindly. There's power. There's life and death in your, in your tongue, you know. And sadly, a lot of people, not, not only do they not speak kindly to their body, they actually speak bad about their own bodies. Ugh, look at you. They look in the mirror like, you know. What happened to you while we were sleeping, you know. And it's like, you need to change the way you speak to yourself. The Bible says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. You're handmade. Did you know that? You're handmade. You were hand-knitted in your mother's womb by God Almighty. And when he finished you, he was like, this is a good one. talked about taking communion power powerful in communion there's so much power in communion and not just like oh here we go you know my daily communion but like consciously remembering he paid for all this pain jesus took my pain he took all the infirmity and everything off my body and knowing like when you take communion you're remembering you're receiving his action to that promise to that faith that he took it for you so i i told you how i took communion for about 20 something days in a row sometimes twice a day, uh, long periods of reading the Bible, right? Proverbs 4.20 talks about how the Word of God is life to our body. It's medicine to our body. So being in the Word of God is so important. It's like medicine to you, okay? And um, all right. And so today, I want to finish up with a, a couple of things. So if you can go to um, Isaiah chapter 61, and we're going to start in verse 1. Isaiah 61, 1. And it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and proclaim the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, or in Zion, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. Okay, so this is our promises. To all who mourn, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, joyous blessing instead of mourning, a festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, which is God's righteousness, he made us righteous, right? So it applies to us. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Okay, and then if we go to verse 7, just a few verses ahead, it says, Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. You know, and this is... um, this is one of the words that God spoke to me while I was um, laid out, you know. And, um, and so I want to just highlight a couple things. First of all, in verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. You know what good news to the poor is? You don't have to be poor anymore. <laughs> Those are good news, right? 
pretty simple. And then it says, He sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. Okay, to comfort the brokenhearted. Who's our comforter? It's the Holy Spirit, right? We need the Holy Spirit. And you know what the brokenhearted, that is, uh, it's talking about, like, it even means like shattered. And so brokenhearted has to do with trauma. Okay? Brokenhearted isn't like, oh, just like, you know, your girlfriend broke up with you or, you know, or, or that, that's, I mean, it can happen. Okay? But what it's referring to is it's referring to the trauma. Uh, the heart, you know, the, the part of our soul, if we go to, um, real quick, um, uh, Third John, and um, in Third John it talks about, um, Beloved, I wish that you prosper um, and be in good health just as your soul prospers, okay? And when it talks about our soul prospering, it's also referring to, what, what's our soul? It's our will, mind, and emotions, right? So it's, so it's referring to our, our thought life. Okay, so when in Isaiah 61 it talks about comforting the brokenhearted, it's talking about mending the broken parts of us. Okay, so let me explain real quick in a very broad way how trauma happens. Trauma takes place in the brain, okay? So when a, 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 a traumatic situation happens, whether it's abuse, whether it's an accident, whether it's, uh, you know, s- something of that nature, um, your brain, it's almost as if a cut or a wound happened in your brain. And it's like a, like a ditch, okay? Everybody's been in a ditch or knows how a ditch works <laughs> ever, okay? If you're driving and, and there's a ditch next to you and you all of a sudden, you know, your tire catches a little bit of it, it's like it, it locks you into that ditch, you know? And it's kind of hard to get out of it, you know. And so even if you get out a little bit, you know, and you catch it again, it locks you, pulls you back in, you know. So it's got a lot, like a lot of strength. So that's, in a a broad picture, that's what happens with trauma. That's what trauma does. And that is why when somebody abuses you or hurts you or betrays you or offends you greatly, and and to the point where it creates a trauma, it creates a ditch in your brain. And the brain is lazy, so our thoughts always take the, sh- the easiest uh, pattern, the easiest way to get anywhere. So if you mention, or if I mention, or you run into, or you see the person that hurt you, even if there was decades of good stuff in that relationship, your brain is immediately going to the ditch, to the easiest path that's created to that to think about that person or that situation so it falls into that ditch that's a trauma are you following me yeah. okay only the holy spirit can heal trauma only god can heal trauma but sometimes um well actually let me say this most of the time the church has never known how to deal with trauma the church will say stuff like, oh, just read more of your Bible. Just pray more. Just get over it. Don't think about it. Right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of, you know, the things that the faith revolution or the faith movement lacked. It didn't know how to deal with trauma. And the problem is you can cover it up for a little bit. You can put a little Band-Aid over it. You can get distracted with it. 
But what you end up doing if it doesn't heal is you end up creating an addiction. Because an addiction is going to want to somehow numb the pain. So an addiction is anything that you use, conscious or subconsciously, to numb the pain. And many times you don't even know, or it's been so long, you don't even know what pain you're numbing. And so that's why we need the Holy Spirit, because he searches the hearts and he searches all things, right? But we also need vulnerability, right? Because it's like, there's something I need to deal with. I don't know what it is, but I need help. <laughs> because I have an addiction, you know, to this or to that. And let me tell you, it could be a legal or an illegal addiction. <laughs> it could be social media addiction, you know. But somehow that constant feed of somebody else's reality is numbing the pain you have for the stuff you haven't dealt with in years. So we need the Holy Spirit. We need God to search our heart. We need the Holy Spirit to go in and heal it from the root, from where it happened, right? And he promises to do that. He's our comforter. He's our healer. He gives us his peace, his shalom, that brings things that are in chaos. He brings them into order. And when we do that stuff, you know, and, and I'm telling you, like, you can, you can have trauma from things you don't even know you could have trauma. But how do you know you have something like that? Because you have some kind of addiction. And you realize that, you know, when you're in anxiety, if you pull your phone out, all of a sudden, like, you're at peace again. Well, there you go. There's, there's a legal drug right there, <laughs> you know, giving you peace. Something that shouldn't be your source of peace is giving you peace, is putting you at ease, right? And obviously, you know, there's, there's narcotics, and then there's uh, a horrible epidemic of um, prescribed medicine and people that overdose on prescribed uh, medicine. And so I bring that up because I, I, um, I had something similar that happened to me. I, I've never in my life done drugs, okay? Never. Like, I know, don't look at me like that, you know? It's just like, I, I never did. Like, I was like, that's where I draw the line, you know? Like, I don't need to tell you what I did, but I didn't do drugs, okay? All of a sudden, I felt the need, well, let me tell you what I did do, you know? But no point. I never did drugs, you know? Like, not, not, not marijuana, no nothing none of that stuff and uh so i i have no idea what the felt like as a matter of fact there was a point in my life where i would hear these people and as a matter of fact the evangelist we traveled with his testimony was so cool like he's like he was hardcore not just on drugs but like dealing drugs and like he had these adventures of him running from the police and then like giving his life to the lord under underneath a car saying god get me you know like i was like oh that is the coolest testimony my testimony sucks like like I got no, there's nothing wrong with my, like, like, well, I was, I was a good kid, I guess, I just, I disobeyed my parents a couple times, and got caught, you know, but, but, so I experienced a few things, um, you know, I've told you guys when, um, when the paramedics came, and um, before they put me on the helicopter, when the accident happened, um, they gave me this thing called ketamine, and 
it's like a horse tranquilizer or something like that. It's a sedative. It's not even a narcotic, but it's a street drug now, you know, and it's really bad because you feel really weird, <laughs> like really all kinds of weird things, you know, and Joseph Z said here last year um, uh, that um, there are certain drugs that open up and kind of like remove the veil between the natural and the spiritual, and that's why there's a lot of people that are demon-possessed because they weren't, they've been doing drugs, you know, and all kinds of drugs that are hallucinogenics or whatever, you know. And so, so I had a horrible experience with that stuff. Like I, I experienced darkness in like a, a few seconds of like, like the worst shame and anxiety and depression and stress and suicidal thoughts for just like, you know, 30 seconds while I was on this stuff. And I'm like, where did that come from? Like, what just happened? Like, that's not me. That's not my thoughts. That's not like, I have no idea what just happened, but it was horrible. And I got a taste of what some people go through a lot, you know? And then, you know, I had, I had surgery and uh, I had three surgeries. And so they, uh, one, they put me on morphine and morphine didn't really, uh, take the pain, but then they gave me oxycodone and, Oxycodone is, um, I was going to say it's awesome. No. <laughs> I'm joking. It's horrible. But it actually, it actually dealt with the pain, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, a uh, doctor gave me a prescription, and I took it. Uh, the first time I took it for like, I don't know, maybe four or five days, and I had no pain. Uh, pain didn't come back, you know. The whole church prayed for me. And, uh, and I was really off of that medication, so about half a bottle, you know, was left, and I didn't need it. Um, I, would just, I would just take, like, Tylenol if, if it got really bad or something, but it was really good. You know, I wasn't on that. It's not good for your liver or any of that stuff anyways. And I, and I remember the feeling of it. It was like I was, like, sleepy all the time. You know, I was, like, like relaxed, you know, and it almost felt nice, you know. I, I slept through those days, you know, and kind of... But then when you come out of that stuff, you know, like you start dealing with reality and things, you know, and, and I had to face those things, which is part of why I called my friends. And I said, I need sozo. You know, I, I this thing caused trauma and I have PTSD from even riding in a car right now. And I immediately went to that because, again, you know, I told you during this these last four months, I got to practice, uh, practice really fast. A lot of the things we've been teaching for years. Right that are truth from the word of God, but that I had never myself had been in, a, in that bad of a situation that I needed to, or, or any situation that I needed to, to do those things. And so uh, I'd gone to Sozo for other things, right? But never for like, for something like this. And so anyways, um, after the second, after the third surgery, they gave me Oxy again. And, um, and I, and I used it the whole bottle because the hard thing about that surgery was that right after I, I started physical therapy the, the next day after surgery, and they started bending my knee because I had only about a 55-degree range of motion, and there was a lot of scar tissue that they had to surgically remove so that I can bend my knee and gain motion again. So in that last surgery, they did that, and then that next day I went to physical therapy and they started bending me. Well, I still have a nerve block and I am on, you know, on some meds and stuff, so I don't feel anything and it's fine, you know. And I know that that's probably the best because I want to gain range of motion without pain because I don't know about you, but I don't like suffering. Like, well, it's in the Bible. Uh-uh, you need to listen to Pastor Kara's teaching. That's not, that's not what it refers to. 
And I don't like that. I don't like pain. You know, I'm like, I'd rather learn by wisdom than pain. And you don't have to learn by pain. I mean, some people just, they're going to do what they're going to do, but, you know, and they choose pain to be their teacher, but it doesn't have to be that way. That's why we have Proverbs. That's why we have, you know, the counsel of many, and there's wisdom in that. And so, anyways, and so I don't like suffering. So I was happy that I still had nerve block and that I still had oxy. And I'm like, okay, here's my plan. You know, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to be on this until I got my full range of motion. And that way it'll help with, with the, with the pain and all that stuff. And so, uh, first week goes by and, um, and I was on oxy and I ran out of the first prescription and I said, Hey, no worries. I still got half a bottle from the other one, you know? And my wife was like, "Mm -mm." I'm like, what do you mean, mm -mm, give me my pills? <laughs> you know, and, um, and she had noticed something that, that maybe I hadn't, you know. And I was, I was just, I was very relaxed, and I was sleepy, and I, I didn't want to see anybody. I was just like kind of just going through the days, you know, and, uh, and I was comfortable, you know. I, uh, but when you have people around you that love you and they know you, they can tell when, when something's off. And she's like, yeah, that's not like you. You know, you're like, they would be like, come out, we, be with us in the living room. I'm like, I'm so comfortable right here. Like, I'm just sleeping, I'm resting, you know. And I thought there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I just had surgery, I'm going through like this stuff and no big deal. But sometimes you just have to trust the people that are around you that love you, you know whether it's right or wrong. Now, I don't think I developed an addiction to the oxy, but I just know it's not good for you. You know, it's pretty much heroin, just uh, legally prescribed to you, you know. And, um, and yes, there's people that uh, are more prone to addiction than others. I don't think I'm a, a prone to addiction. Um, but yet, I, I could have done without it. And so anyway, she took him away from me, and... Um, and I was kind of upset, you know. I was like, man, like, <laughs> I, I, was, I was like, okay, I got to go to physical therapy tomorrow, you know. And, and then here's the worst part of it all. That was the worst week ever of pain in physical therapy. It was like, it was the week that I cried in front of an adult, you know, <laughs> because he hurt me. <laughs> And, um, and I, it was, it was really bad pain and I no longer had oxy, you know? And, um, and so she took it away and, and I, and, uh, Nick came over to the house too. And he's like, and I didn't like this stuff because I was being talked to like, I'm like, I'm a junkie, you know? <laughs> I'm like, you guys, I'm fine. Like it's been a week. Give me a break, you know? But you have to trust that sometimes people see things that you don't and that you have blind spots and that even if I hadn't developed an addiction that, hey, I don't know, this is getting like a little long. You shouldn't be on this too long. You know, I have a, another friend, uh, the youth know, know them better, um, Todd, um, Todd Schwartz, he comes and does, he lives in Prescott, does our youth, a lot of our youth retreats and stuff like that. Amazing man of God. And when I got on the phone with him, he's like, what kind of medication are you? Are you on Oxy? I'm like, yeah, I'm on Oxy. He's like, throw it away, throw it away. It's horrible. It's horrible. And I'm like, calm down, man. Like, I'm fine. He's like, man, like, why? Because he used to be addicted to heroin, right? And he, if, and he says, even if I think about it, 
even if I think about it, now that I'm saved, if I think about it, like, I get this feeling like, ooh, hmm, maybe I'll get an oxy, like, you know, and it's like, oh, no, what, what's going on? So he's, like, worried about me, right? And I have no idea how strong this is, but I have to trust the people in my life, right, that know me and and let him speak into me, even if, though I didn't like it. I didn't think it was fit. I didn't think I had a problem. I, I you know, I still don't think I had a problem, but is it, it's better than going the other way. Are you with me? And so in Proverbs chapter uh, 27 and verse 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, right? It says, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. And that word enemy also, um, you know, describes someone who hates wisdom. Maybe it's not your enemy trying to kill you, but it's just somebody who just doesn't have a lot of wisdom, you know? Yeah, in other words, enemy could be just people that just tell you what you want to hear because they don't want to offend you. They don't want to lose your friendship, you know? Like, so, so people just tell you what you want to hear, and, and there's nothing wrong with empathizing with people, you know, and it's good. But the Bible is telling us, faithful are the wounds of a friend. In other words, it's better that my friend came over and talked to me that way and told me that stuff, you know, than he didn't. It made me uncomfortable. I didn't like it. But, you know, I'm like, okay, fine, fine, fine. I trust my wife and, and my friend, and so I'm just, fine, take him away, take him away, you know. And I was fine. Like, I had a horrible week, but that week is gone. It's in the past now. <laughs> So just to clear it, I'm not ad addicted to anything, okay? <laughs> Neither I really was, but there was a, a place where, I, I don't know, you know, you know, I don't know. I don't ever want to be there. I, I, I've never liked uh, medicine. I've never liked to be dependent on, on medical stuff or, or things like that, and which is why I've always loved, you know, uh, uh, teaching on healing and, 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 and knowing God's word and promises for our life because I think that's all we need, you know. Um, so anyways, um, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but we need to be open to that friend, you know. Like we need to be open to the friend. I'm not saying just put it on Facebook. I'm not saying just let anybody talk into your life because that's stupid. That's that doesn't work, you know. People who think that are vulnerable because they put their whole story on Facebook, let me tell you, that's not vulnerable. Because there's nobody in front of you to talk to you and tell you the truth. You got a bunch of people who are going to comment like, yeah, 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 that's great, good for you, blah, 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 you know. I'm so sorry. But, but faithful are the wounds of a friend who's right in front of you, who loves you, right, and is willing to, to tell you the hard stuff. And here's the other thing, that are you willing to listen and are you willing to look at yourself and, and maybe ask the, the hard question like, oh, is this an issue? Is this a problem? Or will you run away? And then there are some people that say, yeah, speak to me, but they have a big sign right here that says, don't, don't you say a word. Don't you say anything. You say anything to me, you know, I'll be gone. I'll be out of your life. In two seconds, you'll never see me again, you know. So, so obviously it starts with us, you know, are we, are we open to the people that are close to us that we know that love us, 
to speak into our lives and to be vulnerable. You know, we have um, um, lots of people that we counsel, and, uh, and, and it's sad when we hear about the marriage that blew up, and it's into pieces, and now it's too late. And, um, and we often hear, yes, because, you know, in our church, you know, they told us to hush, hush. Don't talk about that stuff. Put up a good faith. Just do this and let God work. It's like, really? Because there's shame. And with their shame, like, sh- shame is the worst place to be in. It's the, it's the lowest of lowest of resonance, frequency, and vibration everything like it's the lowest there, there's nothing that vibrates lower that puts out a, a, a you know like people would say a, a worse vibe than shame you know it's the bible talks about it you know it says like he will give us what instead of shame right beauty ashes Be- beauty for ashes right joy instead of shame like but when shame comes it tells you don't let anybody in because you are a Christian, because you're a leader, because you know better. And if you tell anybody that you need help in your marriage, or you tell anybody that you're struggling with this or that kind of addiction, then what's going to happen? Like, they're going to think less of you, right? And that's what shame does. And there, sadly, there are cultures and there are places uh, that people live in that is, you know, that is that way. They'd rather you say nothing rather than you know, ooh, have to deal with the ugly stuff. But that's not what Jesus did. That's not what he teaches us to do. So what do we do? Like, when you're vulnerable and you're dealing with stuff, whether it's an addiction, whether it's marriage issues, whether it's like whatever, I don't care if it's your first time at church or you've been a leader in the church and and a preacher for decades, like, we... We can't judge you, and we won't judge you and see you differently. Because if we do, then we're counteracting the very thing that we need to get set free. You know, it's sad that uh, in history, many famous preachers that operated in the miraculous, that led revivals in hundreds of thousands of people that came to the Lord, you know, later in their life, you find out that they, they struggled with addictions. And you go, why didn't they ask for help? Because there was a shame culture around that said, "Uh uh-uh, you're a leader. You're a preacher. You should never have issues. You should be perfect. And the moment we put that expectation on people, we have set them up for failure. You know? And so we need to be first open to that and say, I need help. I'm in a dark place. I'm in a hole. I got an addiction. I have this, you know. It doesn't matter how bad it is. And then go to people that love you, that are safe to you, that will help you out of that. Because, like I said again at the beginning, it, it, studies show that m- most all addictions are tracked back to trauma. Some kind of trauma at some point. And so let me say this. There's people in the body of Christ that were told you know, oh, just confess more of the word, just do this, just do that, and are into, into works and performance and have never dealt with the actual trauma, that never healed the actual trauma. They just covered it up. And maybe it's some kind of addiction, maybe it's not an illegal addiction, you know, but it is just numbing the pain. 
And the problem with these things is that that trauma is going to come bite you in the back. At some point or another, it's going to blow up. Whether it's in marriage or whether it's in your personal life. We need to deal with trauma the right way. You know, trauma is stored back here in this part of our brain in the back. And, um, and, and I dealt with trauma. I told you guys that story. What did I do? I ran to Sozo. My friend Chad told me, like, you're going to have to deal with your heart. I'm like, why? It's my leg that's wrong. He's like, yes, but you had a traumatic experience. He's like, do you cry? I'm like, every time I open my mouth, you know. He's like, your heart is hurting. You had trauma. You need to deal with it and get that healed. So I called my friend. I'm like, all right, I need Sozo. I need Sozo. What is Sozo? Sozo is like, it's what you do when you want the Holy Spirit to search your heart deep and and pull out and heal the things that have caused you trauma and pain in the past. And so my friends came over, and they did sozo with me. And the Holy Spirit healed my heart from things that I didn't even think I needed healing. But it was instant. The minute I came out of sozo, you know, but I have to be vulnerable to go to sozo. Because these guys, I mean, these guys come to church, some, like, with us, you know, and, and like... They're going to see that Pastor Ben needs Sozo. <laughs> Is this our fearless leader? <laughs> I'm only human. <laughs> right? And, uh, and I have to be open that, you know, it's okay. Like, God wants to heal those things. Because if I don't, It'll be worse for me and then for the people around me. And the same thing with you. You're going to be blocked. You're going to be limited somewhere until you deal with that past trauma. And sometimes you don't know you have the trauma until you're in Sozo. And you're like, oh, I thought I dealt with that. Yeah, maybe not all the way. Maybe not the right way. Maybe not fully. You know, the enemy doesn't want you to deal with that stuff. So when you do... You get set free. And I tell you, it was an instant, instant change. I told you the story when before Sozo, we had an invitation to go to Sedona for a couple days. I told Kira, there's absolutely no way I'm getting in the car for three hours. There's no way. Like, this is how I traveled in a car. Careful, careful, careful. Car, left. Did you watch this? Like, that's not right. Let me tell you that. It's not right. Some of you are like, see, woman. You need to go to Sozo. You do that to me all the time. <laughs> and you need to stop driving like a maniac. <laughs> yeah, my wife is an excellent driver. My wife is an excellent driver. Um, but the minute I came out of Sozo, like I was, I was free. I was free. I called Kara. I said, "We're going to Sedona." I feel perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Day and night difference. Why? Because I started dealing with my heart started dealing with the trauma. There was healing happening in places that I got hurt. I don't know how I got hurt. I don't know how that, you know, happened, but it happens. Let me tell you, that trauma, most of the times, it wasn't your fault. There's no shame in that. You just got to deal with it because it's robbing you from abundant life. It's robbing you from everything that there is, and shame will speak to you and we'll yell at you and we'll tell you, uh-uh, you can't, you can't. Too far, you're, you're a worship leader. You're, you're in this team. You do that. You know, you tell people about Jesus. How are you going to now acknowledge that you have an issue 
or a trauma or something that you haven't dealt with from your childhood that is still hunting you. Oh no, I'll just read my Bible more. You know, and it's, it just puts us back into works and performance. Third John says, um, Beloved, I wish you prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. If your soul doesn't prosper, you know, this is not just renewing our mind. Listen to me. Your health and you will prosper to the measure that your soul prospers. And, and, and one of the ways we've taught this, which is correct, is renewing our mind, changing our belief system, because then that unlocks us to prosper in these areas. But it's the same thing with healing the places that have trauma and they have wounds that have never been dealt with in the past. Because to the measure that you deal with those things, to the measure that you receive healing in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, in, in that trauma, and you get rid of those ditches, okay? It's also the measure that you prosper in health and in all the other things. Are you with me? Amen. And so... What do you do to what do you do when when you're feeling anxiety? What do you do when you're feeling out of control, you know? And your first thing that you go to, if it's not God, you know, it's something that you're using to numb something that is screaming. So it's easy to identify it, uh, that that you need that. You know, sometimes you don't know exactly what the root is, but the Holy Spirit does, which is why. See, God didn't make us independent. He made us interdependent. We need Him, but we also need others. Amen? So, I want to pray. And, um, you know, I really encourage you, uh, if you're dealing with anything physical in your body, or addictions, or heart wounds, or whatever it is, um, if you're, if you feel like you're stuck somewhere in life or in health, or that you've just had this chronic issue in your health for too many years, that you're just like, oh well, it's there. I, I encourage you to do what I did and throw everything, every principle of the Word of God, throw it at it. You know, like don't give up. So you don't give up your your body. Don't give up your your ground so easily. You know. Um, sometimes we were taught like, you know, if, if it didn't work, it didn't work. I got prayer. It didn't work, you know. So there's nothing wrong with doctors. Absolutely. I don't, I don't believe there's second class healings. Not at all. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly, you know, have been in contact with doctors a lot, you know. But uh, God gets the glory because it's his idea that we, be, that we be made whole. And that we stay whole. And that we... Um, Experience divine healing. Just walk in divine health. And, the, and that's the law of life and godliness. You know, the law of life and freedom. Is, it's not, we're no longer under the law of sin and death. So it has no right to stay in our bodies. And so I, I encourage you that if there's stuff there, I mean, even allergies, like, just go at it with everything and experience healing. Experience freedom. Experience that. You know, say, I'm going to go on this journey. I'm going to throw everything that Pastor Ben taught and even more from the word of God to it. And I got to say, from the word of God. Guess what? I said what you did. I went and got crystals and no, 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 no. That's not in the word of God. 
All right. So let me pray. Father God, I thank you so much for our church family, everybody watching online, God, and, and the people that will listen to this even after today, God. And I just pray that you would, Holy Spirit, that you would search our heart, that you would lead us into truth, that you would give us the courage to ask for help and be vulnerable. I ask you, God, that you would set us free because you said whom the Son set free is free indeed, and you paid for that already, God. So I thank you that you show us what's our part. What do we do? We don't want this thing hanging over us. We don't want this, this stuff continue to haunt us, Lord. And, and I thank you that you give people a sense of safety and, and freedom to ask for help, to ask for prayer, to, to be vulnerable, and to, um, so that we could be set free, God. I thank you, Lord. Thank you that it's always your will, your will to set us free and to heal us and to heal our bodies. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.